All right, Power Plugs. I'm so excited. This is a great, great interview for a great, great individual who encapsulates what this month, celebrating Women's Month and Women's History Month, is all about. We have with us today Senior Director of Client Services at Rich Results, former Director of Marketing and Alumni Engagement for Dallas College Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Program and member of College Strengths Core Team, success coach for the Black Women's Entrepreneurial Leadership and Madam C.J. Walker Boot Camp Programs, alumni of the University of Texas serving as a board member in several organizations empowering our youth and women and author Andrea Anderson with us in the power plant today. How you living? (laughs) I'm trying to live good. (laughs) There you go. There you go. All right. So let's plug in. We have been charged with two things. One, the discovery of our gift and two, the sharing of that gift with the world. And right now there's somebody who is buried underneath the weight of a false narrative that they believe about themselves. And they're going to see this and they're going to know I can relate to her story because she is from where I am at. And I'm not talking about a geographical location. I'm talking about a set of circumstances and a mindset. And they're going to say she navigated her way out of a place that I can't see my way out of. So, Miss Andrea Anderson, this is your hour to amp the people up with the power of your story. Let's electrify them. All right. So, knowing what you know now, what would you tell the 18-year-old version of yourself? I would tell the 18-year-old version of myself to embrace my uniqueness, my unique gifts, All right. and just be me. Wow. And I say that because now at this point in my life, I am very comfortable with me. And I tell people all the time, I'm just me, right? Um, but I'm very comfortable with being me, but it took me a minute to get there. And what I'm going to say about that, to grow into that is not because I didn't recognize who I was, but when you're 18 and especially me, I'm a first generation college graduate into corporate, you know, that kind of thing. When you go, especially when you go into the corporate world, they work to shape you, make, you know, mold you into a certain type of persona or person, Right. right? Right. I have certain gifts that don't quite fit into that nice tight little box. Come on now. And so, you know, so for years I tried to be that person or try to, um, I felt um, conflicted because I would, because of the gifts that I have, I I would know certain things and be like, "Mm, that's not going to work. That's going to be a train wreck. Uh. And I could communicate that, but like sometimes, oftentimes in corporate settings, they're like, well, give me the facts. 
I'm like, well, I, I don't have the facts, but I can just tell you because I'm strategic and I can just tell you that's not going to work. <laughs> you have that feeling. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. There's a difference between between analytical facts and knowing. Yes. That can you give us a glimpse as to what was going on into the 18-year-old version of you? What was going on in her life? Oh, so the 18-year-old version of me. Um <laughs> I graduated primarily from an all-white high school. And um I am the product of a uh, divorced family. Okay. Um, I already mentioned first generation college graduate. Um, but I did have parents, even though my parents didn't stay together, they came together to actually co-parent as best they could, me and my sister. Um, wow. And one of the things that they always did was they always encouraged us and told us, we could be and do whatever we wanted. They wanted us to have a world that they didn't have. Okay. Um, so my 18-year-old self uh, set off to Austin, Texas to go to the University of Texas. <laughs> All right. Which was a huge step because my mom, her mom did not let her go off away to school. She went, she started college, but then dropped out her second year after she got married and had me. Okay. So, um, so my mom always wanted to not put boundaries around me or my sister and my dad fully supported that. So my 18 year old self set off to Austin, just green as I could be. Right. <laughs> Cause you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so, right. um, I went off to college and uh, learned a lot. I found my voice in college. Wow. Um, I found my voice in college. And part of that was solely due to the University of Texas because of how large it is. It is 50,000 students. And in 50,000 students, I always tell incoming students, particularly uh, African-American and minority students, I'm like, if you are in this room right now, they are looking at you because you are the best and the brightest. Come on now. So don't stress about that. What you need to be more concerned with is if you choose to go to the University of Texas, is once you're there, you need to claim your space. I'm sorry. Find your people. Find your, find your tribe. Yes. Find your tribe. Yeah. Because that's what's going to help you survive and thrive there. Because especially if you're a minority, particularly blacks, because um, there's the, the percentage is less than 5% mm. out of 50,000. Right. So wow. that's a sea of people. That's right. You know, so that's why I try to reassure students, you know, be comfortable that you belong there. You deserve to be there because wow. trust me, they wouldn't have let you in if you deserve to be there. You probably the best and brightest. So wow. be comfortable and have confidence in that. But and that's not enough to actually make it there. You've got to actually claim your space, claim your space. and find your tribe and begin to navigate your way. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. Can you tell us the story of how you discovered the gift that lives within you? Ooh, um, 
I should say I truly embraced the gift that lives in me probably around my mid to late 20s. Okay. Um, I, I truly, so one of, so the gift that lives in me that is really special is I have the ability to see people. All right. And what I mean by that is I have the gift to be able to see people for who they are. Come on. And I have the ability to identify talents or, or gifts in them that they may not even see. Like, I believe every person on this earth brings value. Every single person brings value, but it's a matter of seeing that value. And so when I say I have the ability to see people, that gift and ability comes from not just seeing them, observing them. It also comes from uh, listening. Okay. Listening to what they're saying, observing their... um, you know, their both uh, their gestures and also not and also sometimes what they're not saying. Right. OK. Yeah. And so when I say I have the ability to see people, I mean, like, really take all of that in and really see them for who they are. Come on now. OK. And I didn't I didn't like it's always been there, but I didn't really. Like when I was younger, I was like, I didn't understand it. Right. Okay. So people have always been drawn and attracted to me. And I think that's partly why, because I have that inner gift to actually see people. And um, when I, when I first came out of college and started working, people used to joke with me all the time because they were like, oh my God, you will talk to a stranger. I'm like, they were like, you'll talk. One of my bosses used to tell me, you'll talk to a tree stump. I was like, no, no, you're correct. The tree stump talks to me. There you go. But it's because there is something about me that people feel comfortable coming to me. Um, And especially once I got into leadership, oh my gosh, my door was a revolving door at some of the places where I've worked. And it wasn't even my team. These are people from other teams coming in, you know, or whatever. But um, it's like people feel like they can come to me And then they tell me all this stuff, which I had to learn to master with the gift, like take it in, process it, talk to them, but then let it go. Because (laughs) that was a whole lot to carry around. (laughs) So at the age of 20, like how did you, what was the story where, where you, it just, you realized it? Um, Is there a particular story that comes to mind? There's not a particular story that comes to mind when I realized it, but I will say that as I started to um, as I started to work and grow and started to manage and lead people, I noticed it more because I, as a leader, I'm offering guidance and direction, and I'm very much in my leadership style is I'm very much an open door type of leader. I'm not a micromanager. Come on, and I like to have conversations with people. And I like to provide enough, hopefully enough direction that they can then go off and do the project or handle whatever it is. But I try to give enough room for them to also to also empower them to make it their own and come back with whatever the solution, answer or end product is. Right. Right. And there's that that also there's a 
there's a fine line to that too, right? To being able to do that. Yeah. Uh, I, I will tell you this one story. Um, in in my probably mid twenties, no late twenties, um, I worked at the um, National Center of the American Heart Association, and they were just starting out um, creating a marketing department from the ground up. Okay. And the vice president that I reported to at the time, uh, he called me into his office. Maybe I don't know. Maybe three weeks or a month after I had been there. And he said something to me that I had not yet heard in my young career. And so you can imagine what that does to one's self-esteem and you feel, you walk away feeling so like I did like empowered and like I had autonomy, right. To actually move around. Cause by nature, I am a creative person. Like I've worked in the marketing communications field for 30 plus years my degree is in journalism. So, um, but what he told me was, he said, you know, you're new here. You're great. We're building this, this department from the ground up. You have some really great ideas. He says, so I'm going to, I'm going to give you some latitude. I'm going to tell you, go with it, run with your ideas and you get one gimme. And I was like, one gimme, what's the gimme? He was like, you have one time to mess up and I will totally go down on the ship with you. No questions asked. Oh, I was like, what? Like, <laughs> who says that? What leadership, what leader says that? Not right. very many, not right. very many are willing to go down on the ship with you. <laughs> Titanic type stuff. That, <laughs> wow. That is trust in, in, yeah, I could see how you were empowered. My good gracious. Yes. That is amazing. That is amazing. Yeah. Wow. So that that was like life changing. And then later on in my career, I worked at Sprint. And at Sprint, I worked under many different leaders um, because I got moved around quite a bit. I had this one director who, um, I don't know, he identified or saw something in me early on. And he just would move me around at the drop of a dime. It would drive his his it would drive it would drive his direct reports crazy because he would say he would just like literally call me one day because he was in Kansas City and I was in Dallas and he'd be like oh as of today you're no longer going to be reporting to to Cheryl I'm going to move you to Kim's team you know and don't worry about them I'll tell them right like <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about that I got that wow. right but um you know he had, he identified certain uh strengths in me that um, that he felt served the organization well. So I'm very good at um, problem solving and being solution focused, right? All right. And part of that goes back to my, uh, one of my strengths is strategy. Okay. And so like, I have the ability to like, you know, we can have like, it can be 50 things flying around in the air and, you know, I'll be in a meeting or something and people are like, well, yeah, we have this obstacle or this challenge or this whatever. And in my mind, I'm like, OK, y'all are waking this way too complicated. We're really just trying to get from here to here. Right. Like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> and here's how we're going to do it. Right. Like, so, um, you know, I don't know. That's like one of the things that he identified in me. He just started moving me around a lot. And then. Um, my final years at Sprint. So I think like probably my last two years, two and a half years, 
I spent with my most favorite boss ever. And I modeled a lot of my leadership style after him, Mike Fleming. He, um, he's amazing. But he was very, he kind of followed along the same lines as the two previous uh, leaders, but just really empowered me even more than that. Right. And um, I'm a person that actually likes, you know, some autonomy and to feel empowered right. and to be able to go and do go and do things like I have the ability to like my favorite thing is creating from a clean slate. All right. Right. But I can I do have that ability to come into a situation that is, for lack of a better term, all messed up <laughs> and figure it out and make it fix work. It. Right. That's all <laughs> yeah, right. The fixer. <laughs> yeah. All right. Can you tell us the story of how you discovered your responsibility to share your gift with the world? You know, I'm going to be honest. I don't really know when I discovered that responsibility to share it with the world. But I, what I will tell you is um, I'm a woman of faith. I'm a child all right. of God. Yes. Yeah. And because of that, I believe that we are all unique. And they yeah. were all put here on this earth for a purpose. And I believe that my purpose is to, um, again, going back to really seeing people and helping make a difference in the lives of others. Um, I um, It's just a part of what I believe. I try to leave my special imprint on every project, yeah. every person that I touch. Yeah. And... Um, so because of that, I try to work in my purpose all the time. And I've gotten, now that I've gotten older, I that means more to me. Um, you know, when you're younger, you spend a lot of time, uh, you get spend a lot of time getting caught up in what I like to call the whirlwind. Like okay. that frenetic pace, that whirlwind that's always going on around you, whether it's at work, whether it's in your family, you know, because some of our families are dysfunctional. I'm not saying mine is, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you, get, you know, those dysfunctional friends you have, all of that, yeah. you know, there's always this constant whirlwind or drama going on and you're, if you're expending energy in different places that really should be in different places and areas that at the end of the day aren't important. Come on. Not important. And so I have really grown and learned to um, really be protective of, because I only have so much time. All right. And people lean into me a lot. I have a lot of people whether it's at work, the organizations I'm a part of, friends, family that are leaning into me. And there's only so much of me to go around. So I have to, um, particularly in the last two years, I've gotten really, really, really good about boundaries. There you go. Come on. Boundaries. Yeah. And um, the ability to say no. Like, so for example, so I'm a person who has themes. So every year, like I have a theme for the year, you know, I set my mm -hmm. own personal themes. So like last year, my theme was unapologetic. Okay. And so I was unapologetic about a lot of stuff. And also like as a part of that year, I finally, finally grew up enough to understand that the word no is a statement all to itself. What you say? <laughs> it, doesn't need to, it doesn't need to be explained. Right. 
I don't need to apologize for it. It's right. just no. It's just no. <laughs> Come on now. Hold on real quick. That's that power right there. Yes. Yes. Okay. So how did you make belief reality? Like there was a, a point in time where the things that you're doing now were just dreams. How did you achieve the level of success that, that once was just in your mind? Number one, God. Okay. Number one. I'm one of those people that's not afraid to say that because that's hey, a big part of who I am. So that's I all right. So number one, God. Number two, the strength and encouragement of my family. And um, number three, I would just say like my um, my personal dream team or board of advisors and everybody should have one. Everybody right. should have their own personal dream team. The number of people you have on your dream team is up to you. But basically your dream team are those core people who are going to hear you. First of all, they're those core people that you really want to share what your dreams are with. All right. And they're going to support those dreams. But they're also going to be, they also need to be people who are honest enough with you to tell you when you're veering off the course or when you're just messing up or when that just don't make no sense. <laughs> Accountability, yes. I love But it. they're not, you know, but that's not everybody because you have to be very careful about who your dream team or board of advisors are. Because you can have friends who you find out really aren't your friends. They're really haters. They're really people who are keeping you from your dream because they're afraid to move on to their own dream, to chase their own dreams. So just because someone is your friend or even your close, close friend, they may not necessarily need to be on your dream team. Amen to that. And that's not a bad thing. Right. You know. <laughs> right. This is powerful. This is so powerful. Oh, my goodness. Just I hope y'all are hearing the theme and the the valuable, valuable concepts that this wonderful, wonderful, powerful force in Miss Andrea Anderson is sharing with y'all today. What would you like to share with the online community uh, and those locally about what's on your horizon and how they can connect with you? Um, so what's on my horizon right now is, um, I work at a really great company. We do recruitment, uh, recruitment, uh, hiring for small to mid-sized businesses where we help them to really, um, find great talent. And I love doing that. I love working with the clients through client services with the recruiters, you know, just kind of being that sounding board for them on the candidates. And as a part of my day-to-day job now, I'm I'm getting more into the DEI space because diversity, equity, and inclusion is really important to me now. Because right. again, going back to my belief and being able to see people, I, I need others to be able to see people. Come on. And so um, so that's become really important to me. So I am I, I have the the pleasure and to be able to kind of lead some of those efforts in our company. 
because that kind of goes back to our mission, which um, kind of evolves around unconscious bias. So we actually work with our clients to kind of help them to become more uh, aware of what biases experiencing when looking at candidates and recruiting them in. And then we're working also to kind of educate and give them tools that they can use as they um, not only hire new people, but also look within their organizations. So I, I really love that um, our president and founder, Jolene Risch, has given me that opportunity to represent our company in that way. Um, the other thing that I've got on my horizon is I worked with a really great group of ladies last year called the Unstuck Collective, okay. uh, which was headed up by our coach, Shawnee Godwin. And uh, we actually, uh, it was a writing group and we published a book at the end of the year. And I have a story in that book called Erasure. Okay. And, um, I am in the process of taking that short story and actually blowing, writing it and blowing it out into a full blown novel. Yeah. So yeah. that is my personal thing that's kind of on my horizon right now. How can they find this book? How can they find, because you, you wrote another book too. Is that right? I did. I was part of another compilation book um, back in 2015 called um, Behind Her Brand, the Expert Edition, um, because I come from that whole marketing and branding world. Wow. Um, both books can actually be found on Amazon. Okay. And the latest book can be found actually on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, target.com, walmart.com. Come on now. The latest book has a, a large reach. So you can pretty much find it anywhere um, online. And um, the name of that book is Kiss by God, wow. Stories of Love, Loss, and Surviving It All. All right. And I I, mean, I had the pleasure of writing with, with nine beautiful, um, spirited women, and right. uh, you'll enjoy all the stories. And you have to check out Erasure because Erasure actually focuses on um, uh, a Black corporate woman who feels like she's being erased or, or is invisible because people take um, advantage of her and actually claim her work for themselves. Mm. And many of many black women like me who have been in those worlds, we've either been that person, we've either been Layla or we've seen people. Come on, who have now. been Layla. So yeah. check that out; it's really good. And uh, you can reach me on LinkedIn, okay, at Andrea F Anderson, or on Instagram, and I think I'm Andrea F Anderson there too to keep it. To keep it um, anonymous. That's right. Yes. This has been so enlightening and, empow and empowering for not just young women, but young men, just everyone. The, the knowledge that you shared and the examples of leadership and seeing people is very vital and important. I hope you all are listening Check Miss Andrea Anderson out. She is one of those inspiring individuals. And make sure, power plugs, that you are checking in on one another and staying connected. Thank you again.
for joining us and sharing your story. Take care. To change the narrative in your life, take the next step. Invest in yourself and book a life strategy coaching session with me at www.beliefinteriordesign.com. Let's start the journey of making belief reality.